Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Thank you. Hello, everyone. So good to see you. Hey, do you love your pastors? Let's honor pastors Justin and Jennifer. Come on. I love your pastors. You guys are the best of the best, the kindest people with the kindest children. <laughs> and, um, man, I know what it's like to step out and, and start a church, and I honour you guys. God is doing incredible things, and he's about to do even more incredible things through you guys. So thank you for your faithfulness. Let's give it up for the lead pastors here. Beautiful, amazing people. You guys are blessed. Um, Pastor Justin and Jennifer have both, as he said, been to our church. But what he didn't mention is how much he's sown into our church. And so I think we've had him three times and he's spoken into our team and spoken at our church. And just the life that has been brought and the wisdom in raising up leaders that has been injected in those times. I just thank you guys so much for sowing into our house. And it is what it is because people like you come along and inject life and inject faith. So thank you. We honor you. Well, I'm excited for the word today um, because God has a word for all of us. He always does. Um, And who had the best time at the conference? I, I just loved it. I just absolutely loved it. The worship was on fire. Amazing. The film and video content was just beautiful and powerful and had me welling up and crying and then praising God all at once. So just incredible to be here. It's such an honour for Josh and I to be here with our two boys. Um, And we've had the best time in Vancouver. I've been to Toronto, but I'd never been to Vancouver before. And um, my friend texted me last night and she's from here originally, but she lives in New York now. And she said, you've got to have sushi. What the? I didn't know you guys have the best sushi. No one, no, no one told me that. I didn't, I didn't see that on Google. Maybe if I Google that, I would see that. But she said like it's better than Tokyo. Is that a big call? Anyway, I'm going to try some sushi because I love a good piece of sashimi. Awesome. But I'm excited for the word today. I'm going to be speaking on godly confidence today. And um, why don't we pray and ask God to speak to us today. Father, we just thank you for your love. Thank you for what you've done this weekend, God. God, thank you for every single person in this place um, across all the campuses today, Father. We just lift up um, Vivid Church to you, Father. Lift up every person in this place. Thank you that you love us all, Lord, and that today you're going to speak to each of us uniquely just as you know how, Father. So I just pray over the Word, over the Scriptures, Lord, that you would breathe life into it by the power of your Holy Spirit, that it would become real to us, Father, that we would see tangible change in our lives and in the world around us because of your Word today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. 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 It's good to pray. Godly confidence. Godly confidence. So, you know, uh, we are, there's no doubt about it that we are living in times of, a value crisis. And I don't know if you agree with me, but to me it's so obvious. Um, people are looking at, and I love social media, I use it for the glory of God and to build our church. Like our church, people come to our church because of Instagram. They see it on. So I'm like, praise God, we use these channels for a purpose, right? But how many times do we post things and then um, our value or the way we feel or our self-worth is determined by how many people press their finger twice on that image or that comment. 
And it's like something happens on the inside of us and it's actually a dopamine release. I think it's like a chemical release in our body, right? And we feel good for a moment. But, you know, there's a value crisis when we're literally putting things out there on apps and things and then wanting someone, some random person to double tap it so that we feel good. Insanity, right? Insanity. And there's just, there's a value crisis on humanity. Humanity doesn't know how valuable it is right now. Humanity doesn't realize how valuable it is to God. You know, recently, I don't know if you, this, I think it reached Canada, it reached all over the world, it reached Australia where I'm from and New York. On YouTube, there was this terrible thing that happened like a year and a half ago. It was called MoMA or something. And basically it was this video that some people put out on YouTube and they specifically created it to be played between like wholesome kids shows like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood and Peppa Pig and and it would come up on YouTube and it would actually be this character, this warped kind of character and it would be telling like two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds how to commit suicide, how to kill themselves. I know and being a mother I was just horrified. I was horrified and kids were actually watching this when their parents were busy off doing other things, note to parents, Let's be aware of what our kids are watching, but it's easily done, right? Um, And they were watching this and then they would literally be getting scissors and knives and trying to kill themselves because that's what the video told them to do, like this character. And they didn't understand, but a child is told to do something, this is what you do, and they do it, right? Sometimes. And so that's a value crisis where things like that are spreading and people are – and we're allowing this in our society – you know, in the USA from the year 2000 to 2016, you know how much the suicide rate increased? 50%. 50%. 16 in every 100,000 people decided to take their own life. Made a decision that I'm not valuable. i got nothing to give. I'm just going to end it now. I've got nothing to pour out. There's no value to me. I just shouldn't be here. That's a value crisis. God created us. He created humanity in his image. We are the most valuable thing to God. We are the most valuable thing to him. You and I and the world at large, all of humanity. And John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to bring life and life in abundance. The thief does come to kill, steal and destroy destroy who we are, destroy our lives, destroy our value. But Jesus comes in and he breathes life into everything he touches, into every realm of society, breathes life into our lives. And Jesus is the life giver, amen? Is anyone pumped that their God, that the God that lives on the inside of you is the life breather? He's the life guy, not the death guy. We serve a good God in Jesus' name. But in this landscape of confusion about our value identity and even some of the laws that are being passed, confusion about value. In this landscape, this confused landscape, my question to us today is will we be people who rise in confident faith in the face of this confusion, in the face of this lack of value? Will you and I be believers who choose to rise as confident, faith-filled, bold, courageous people. Because I want to tell you today, you're the man and you're the woman for the hour. Don't look to someone else. Don't look to your left or to your right or to the platform. 
Don't look to that person. It's you and I, baby. (laughs) You and I are the man and the woman for the hour. God is going to do something through you. He's going to bring life into the people around you. You are the person to speak value and life into the people around you. It's you. It's not someone else. God is clearly calling us to rise up in this hour as confident, bold, faith-filled people. So I want to talk about that today. You know what overcomes a value crisis? Love. It's not a brash faith like, stop doing that. That doesn't honour God. It's love that overcomes a value crisis. When we understand how loved we are by the Father, we understand our value in His eyes. And as you and I allow God's love to pour forth out of our lives, the people around us, the city of Vancouver, is going to experience a rejuvenation of who they are, of their value. Their eyes are going to be open. Oh, I am someone. God created me for a purpose. You know the power in just telling someone that they're amazing, that God loves them? We can so diminish those little things like that. You know the power in a smile when the Holy Spirit is behind it? in your workplace or down the street. You know, there's power in the words you speak to a two-year-old. There's power. We can sow life or death. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's a powerful responsibility for all of us and a powerful opportunity for all of us, not a condemnation, an opportunity. So today we're going to look at the life of a woman in the Bible because I'm a woman, female pastor. So I'm going to pull out the life of a woman today in case you didn't know I'm a woman. (laughs) And um, I want to um, talk about um, yeah, the life of this incredible character in the Bible. And her name, you may have heard of her. Many of you probably have. Some of you may not. Her name is Deborah. Deborah. And I love the story of Deborah because Deborah was the only female judge in the book of Judges in the Old Testament. So we're going to explore her story and then really explore some takeaway points from it for our own lives to be people of confidence faith. You know, Deborah lived in a dark time. Joshua took, brought the Israelites out of captivity, out of Egypt, many of us know, and brought them into into freedom. And then he passed away and he died. And there's this period in the Bible of about 300 years where God um, gave the Israelites judges as leaders. And the Israelites just had this cycle and it was a really tough, terrible cycle where they would just kind of Um, avoid or or disobey God and they didn't want to live his way and then because Jesus hadn't come yet God had to give them over to foreign oppressors and so they would be oppressed and enslaved again even though they'd been set free and brought out of captivity by their own doing the Israelites were oppressed by foreign captors and foreign lands and foreign leaders and then the cycle goes that they would cry out to God they would cry out to God and then he would give them a judge to lead them and then that judge would lead them out of captivity and into freedom but then that judge would die and then after that judge died they would go back to their cycle of living and then it literally happened over and over and over and over again in the book of Judges. One of those judges her name was Deborah and Deborah was leading the Israelite was the judge over the Israelite people in the time when they were under extreme oppression they were oppressed by a king named Jabin or Jabin. I'm sure there's a um, theological proper way to say it, but I'm just going to call him Jabin, mate, because I'm an Aussie. 
they were oppressed by a king named Jabin. And the head of the king's army, his name was Caesarea. And Caesarea had 900 chariots, the Bible said. And on, says, and on the side of the chariots are three foot long cu- cutting knives, cutting, cutting blades. And he would, they would ride these chariots throughout Canaan where, they, where the Israelites were living. And just anyone in the way would just be slaughtered and killed. The Israelites were under extreme oppression. And this is after they've been delivered through Joshua and so they're under extreme oppression and they're they're put into slavery again and Deborah is at this time the leader over the Israelites and it says theologians believe that they had 300,000 foot soldiers King Jabin had 300,000 foot soldiers 10,000 horsemen and over 2,000 wooden chariots crazy and 300 iron chariots as I said and so it was a crazy crazy time and they were a fearsome fighting machine and the Bible actually uses the words that they were harshly oppressed during this time the Israelites were harshly oppressed it says in Judges 5 6 in the days of Shamgar son of Anath this is the days in the days of Jael the highways were abandoned the travelers kept to the byways the villages ceased in Israel so their villages ceased People couldn't be out on the highway. People kept to the byway. People were kept in captivity. They couldn't live their lives and gather together. This is the time when Deborah finds herself in leadership. Good old Debbie. Good old Debbie. So we're going to read here and you can follow along with me this story of the woman Deborah, incredible Deborah. Judges 4 verse 11, we're going to start there. Sorry, Judges 4 verse 4, we'll start there. It says, Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinom. So she would sit under a tree, and the Israelites would go to her, and she would hear their complaints. And what it means by they would go to her for judgment is she would hear their disagreements all day long. (laughs) That was her job. Definitely don't want that job. Kind of not similar to a pastor maybe sometimes. No, no, that's not our job. So she would have to sit there and listen to all their complaints about each other, all their problems, all the oppression they're they're experiencing. And so she would sit there under a palm, the palm of Deborah. And one day, the Bible says, she sent for Barak, son of Abinom, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel commands you. She got over it, guys. She got over hearing the complaints. She stood up in this moment and it says, one day she sent for Barak, a leader in in her army, and she said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun and Mount Tabor, and I will call out Caesarea, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me, Debbie. Barak. Poor Barak. We love you, Barak. You're up there in heaven. You're awesome. But you didn't want to go alone. You want to take Deb with you. Very well, she replied. I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture. For the Lord's victory over Caesarea will be at the hands of a woman. Can anyone say amen? (laughs) The hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. She's like, okay, Barak, I'll hold your hand. At Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. 
Now, Heber the Kenite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, Hobab, I'm just going to rush through this, okay, had moved away from the other members of this tribe, his tribe and pitched his tent by the oak of Zenonine near Kadesh. When Caesarea was told that Barak, son of Abinom, had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called, her, he called for all 900 of his own iron chariots and all of his warriors and they marched from Harasheth to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, get ready, get ready, Barak. Sorry if I'm hurting your ears. She would have yelled, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Caesarea. For the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. When Barak attacked the Lord, the Lord threw Caesarea and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Caesarea leapt down from his chariot and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to Harasheth Hagayim, killing all of Caesarea's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. They were being harshly oppressed. Deborah stands up in one moment and on the other side of that, the Lord delivers them. Meanwhile, Caesarea ran to the tent of Jael. This is the best part. The wife of Heba the Kenite, because Heba's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin and his and Hazor. Jael went out to meet Caesarea and said to him, come into my tent, sir. Come in, don't be afraid. So he went into her tent and she covered him with a blanket. Please give me some water, he said. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you if there is anyone here, say no. But when Caesarea fell asleep from exhaustion, J.L. quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground, and so he died. That's J.L., Debbie and J.L. When Barak came looking for Caesarea, J.L. went out to meet him. She said, come and I will show you the man you're looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Caesarea lying there dead with a tent peg through his temple. So on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin and the Canaanite king. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King J- until against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. And the Bible says that they experienced 40 years of peace. 40 years of peace because one woman on one day got over it. She said, enough is enough. We are the people of God and we are being oppressed by these foreign people. And I'm going to stand up and say, not on my watch. I want to ask you today, are you willing to say, not on my watch in the face of a value crisis, in the face of oppression? Are we willing to follow Debbie's lead here? To follow JL's lead in the spiritual realm and say, not on my watch today. It's a powerful story. And you say, well, why are you pulling out the story of Deborah? There's so many characters in the Bible. This is like two chapters. It's random scripture, Georgie. Well, the writer of Hebrews specifically talks about this battle. I don't want to read the scripture here where the writer of Hebrews talks about it. And she is commended for her faith. And it says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Deborah couldn't see any victory around her. 
Barak definitely couldn't see any. This is what the ancients were commended for. The word ancients there is referring to this battle amongst many others. And I know that because it actually goes on and it lists Barak in Hebrews. I'll pull this out for you because the Bible is powerful if you dive into the details. Amen? It says um, further along in Hebrews 11, so faith, faith is confidence, right? And then the ancients are credited for it. And then it goes on in verse 32, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak. Personally, I think Debbie should be in there, but it's okay. Because Barak's there and we know that that's the battle of Deborah. Just saying. I mean, I love the word of God. I know it's, I can't change it and I wouldn't want to change it, Pastor Justin. It's not like I'm... Barak, Samson, Lephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. That's Deborah. That's Barak. And then the next scripture, this is for us in Hebrews. A bit further along, once he's talked through all these ancient heroes, right? Chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, this is for you and I, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The Bible is saying, look at Deb over here. The writer of Hebrews, God is saying, look at Deb, look at Barak, look at Jael, look at the oppression they were under. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter. Lift your heads. Lift your heads, saints, believers. This is your lineage. These were followers of God. These were the people of God like you and I today. And it's not Georgie saying this, it's the Bible saying it. Therefore, let's be people of confident faith in the hour that we're living in. Not dictated by circumstance, but our faith dictated by the Word of God. Let's be people who champion the value of the people around us. Bring, breathe life into people. Speak words of life. So I have three points out of the life of Deborah if you're taking notes today. Number one is we are freedom fighters. Men and women who don't submit to oppression but actually fight for freedom. You may not feel like a freedom fighter. There are days when I don't feel like a freedom fighter. Usually before a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, I don't feel much like a freedom fighter. But the truth is that's who you are. That's who you are. When God, when you invited Jesus into your heart, you became a freedom fighter. He put that DNA on the inside of you. That's your lineage. You are a freedom fighter. You know, I remember um, a few years ago, we were a few years into planting our church, and um, we had been undergoing some attack in a realm of our family and um, just some, some severe um, uh, anxiety in, in a family member. And I just remember kind of in my head going, justifying it and I remember justifying it and saying to myself oh it's just part of what it is going to be it's the way that person's made it's the way they're it's in their family lineage it's the history of who they are and it's in their DNA 
and it's just going to be the way it is. And for a number of months, I was just kind of, okay, this is going to be my lot. For real, as a pastor, this is going to be it. And then I had a, a leader in my world challenge me. Do you think that, that Jesus came so that that person would stay in captivity, she said to me. Stay in fear, in paral- paralyzing fear. And it just struck me as I dove into the word of God that I had stopped fighting in that area, the good fight of faith. So you and I are called to highlight those areas in our world where we've sort of made a truce with the enemy in a way. Sounds intense, but really that's what it is, isn't it? God wants to highlight those areas of our world where we've gone, I guess that's the way I am. I guess that's the way my family is. I guess that's the way my child is. I guess that... But he wants us to stand up and fight in faith. Declare words of life over the people around you. It may be for you specifically or it may be for the person next to you. It may be for your colleague who's going through hell, who doesn't even know Jesus. Do you know there's power in your words? You can speak words of life over that person. You are a freedom fighter. It's who you are. We don't feel like it because it's not our power. It's his working through us. None of us ever feel like it. But it's truth. You are a freedom fighter. And I began to speak over this area in my world, this family member. I began to speak. I got a, I got a word and I began to speak peace. That person's a peaceful person. I began to speak words just in the quiet. Didn't say anything. Didn't tell them. Just in the quiet. Just in the scriptures. Began to declare it over them. You know, you don't have to go up to someone and tell them directly if they can't take that. Just say it quietly. Just pray to God in your own way. Beautiful confidence that it's going to be okay. Beautiful confidence that God has made a way. You know, in Judges, um, there were some people who who didn't rally with Deborah and Barak. And um, I want to read about that here. It's when Deborah rallied the troops, Zebulun and Naphtali gathered. So Zebulun and Naphtali gathered. And Deborah sings about that after the battle in chapter 5. She's also a musician. She wrote a song. And she, and she sings in Judges 5 too. Then the leaders took the lead in Israel. So Naphtali and Zebulun took the lead in Israel. The leaders took the lead in Israel. That the people offered themselves willingly. Bless the Lord for that, she says. But Reuben, Gilead, Dan and Asher didn't. So I want to read here quickly what happened. In chapter 5, in verse 15, it says, But in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision when she called people to fight. Why did you sit at home among the sheepfolds to hear the shepherds whistle for their flocks? Yes, in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. Gilead remained east of the Jordan. They remained where they were in captivity. And why did Dan stay home, she says. She's reflecting after the battle. Why did Dan stay home? Asher sat unmoved at the seashore, remaining in his harbours, but Zebulun risked his life. I want to ask us today as believers, wherever you're at, are we going to be those that sit in captivity or those that stand up? Are we going to be those that remain in captivity or those that choose to walk out of captivity? in the different areas of our life. You know, sometimes the people around us can't fight for themselves and we need to fight for them. Or maybe today God's highlighting an area in your world where you need to get that faith rising on the inside again. 
where you've maybe settled for something like I did, that God didn't intend, that Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross, that I would stay in that captivity and nor for you. And human wisdom is a powerful thing. It's amazing and I believe in wisdom. I teach my kids wisdom, but godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is faith. It's a faith approach. And so we need to make sure as believers that we are stepping out into that and not sitting. And the Bible is so clear. I mean, the Bible is so clear that certain people stayed and remained and weren't part of the victory. But you and I are called to be part of the victory in Vancouver, the victory of what God is going to do in this church. But it takes each of us to say yes. And there will be a Deborah that rises up. It's usually a church planner. And there are a Barak that gathers the troops. But will we say yes? to being a part of that faith move of God. Freedom fighters today. I believe that we are freedom fighters. My second point today that I want to share with you is, or question rather that I want to ask you is, are you agreeing with defeat? So number two, don't agree with defeat. Don't agree with defeat. Deborah was not afraid to speak truth when no one was speaking truth. She was hearing complaints all day. She had no one stirring her up. Are we those that agree with defeat or don't agree with defeat in our lives? She wasn't concerned with popularity. She wasn't concerned with what people thought. She was concerned with what God wanted and the freedom and the love for the people that she was leading and the people, the the time that she'd been entrusted with by God. And it even says in the NIV version, she says, It says, has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you in verse 6? And she says to Barak, up, for this is the day that the Lord has given Caesarea into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? You know, there's a time when we just need to say up, up on our feet, up on our feet. Not just when we're going to work out, keep our news resolutions, but up on our feet in faith. Come on. We're going to believe together that God is going to do something miraculous in our cities. Amen. In a time of great confusion, God is calling us to be people who refuse to submit to the status quo and what is being normalized, what is said that it's okay. Because God has gone before us and made a way for complete freedom and he's made us free and free indeed. So we need to be people that stand in that gap. We are people that stand in that gap and don't agree with defeat. I'm so thankful that I had someone in my world who didn't agree with defeat when I was complaining about this situation. Because I wouldn't have gone to fight for it if someone had gone, hey, I'm not agreeing with your defeat right now. I'm not going to sit in this camp and sit down with you. And there's times when, but you can always get up. You can always get up if you sat down. There's no condemnation here today. <laughs> when even husband and wives, we can just sit in defeat, can't we? And, and, and God's not judging, but he's just saying, come on, guys, get up. Get up today. Let's not be people who agree with defeat. I'm going to repeat that until it's inside our bones. Amen. Deborah spoke from confidence in her God. And I'm so thankful that I had people who spoke confidence and life into me. I'm going to tell you today, maybe there's someone next to you that when you hear a defeatist word or when you hear kind of an apologetic word or there's someone around you, maybe in your hub or at your workplace or wherever you're at, maybe in church realms or leadership realms, be a person that speaks truth in life. Um, not in an annoying way. <laughs> right? We don't need to be annoying. But in a heartfelt, genuine way. Hey, I don't believe that's what God has for you. He's got so much. That's not your lot in life. 
He's got so much more for you. You're not, you're not defeated by the enemy. You have the power of God on the inside of you. And when it's genuine, it's not fake, is it? Because it's from your heart. But you've got to get into the scriptures to know that that's the truth. Okay, the final, the final point today that I believe that we can learn from the life of Deborah is that there's power in partnership. There's power in partnership. JL. It's powerful, isn't it? Deborah and Barak led them to victory, but there was the commander of the army was still alive. He was still there. But Jael had to get that hammer and that tent peg and complete the battle from the oppressor. I like to say Deborah set the climate and vision for victory, which meant Jael could hammer at home. <laughs> Deborah prophesied to Barak, remember? that it would be by the hand of a woman. We think she's talking about herself. She's talking about JL. Because she saw it, God told her. She's talking about her sister. You know, there's power in our partnership. This is not about a glory, pride, I'm the best, wow, I'm so faith-filled, I'm so amazing thing. Bible's so clear that it's power in partnership. We can't do it all alone, but we can partner together in faith. And that's what the body of Christ is meant to do. That's what you and I, that's the gift of the church. It's the gift of the body of the Christ is that we come alongside one another and we can't do it all along. And when one is in defeat, the other picks that person back up, reminds us of the promises of God, reminds us of who our Father is. And when, one per- and when we speak victory and vision over this city, when Pastor Justin gets up here and speaks vision of what God has spoken to him, you know what it takes? It takes a Barak, it takes a JL. It takes everyone to make it come to pass. We're not watching and waiting to see. We're all in this together. We're all part of the solution. We're all part of bringing freedom and love to this city. We're all part of speaking life into this city. So I want to encourage you today to remind you today that there's power in partnership. There's power in partnership in the male and female. You know, there is a, we live, are living in interesting times and there's a lot of light being shed on, and that needs to be shed on a lot of oppression and, and bad things that have been going on for years, right? So there's a lot of light that has to be shed. And I praise God that women are being set free from that fear and torment in certain industries, right? But may we not swing the pendulum, pendulum right over here. You know, the plan was always for men and women to come alongside together and build the kingdom of God and not be at loggerheads, not be against each other. There is more power when the two come together. You know, the woman was taken from the man's rib, not under his foot. I heard someone say that the other day. I was like, amen. We're beside one another. It's a partnership. And I love what God's doing because people are freaking out, but he's actually realigning things. He's actually releasing oppression and he's bringing freedom and the men feel supported and the men feel like women are coming alongside them and the women feel empowered and the, men, the women feel like, hey, they can take their place to support and encourage and thrive and be empowered as a woman of God. So God, I can see it in, that, in the church. I can see, we can see what he's doing, right? We have eyes to see. It's really exciting times. It's revival times when men, men and women both rise up together. Not in, the, not in the same. For ages, I would compare myself to my husband and try to speak like him. I would freak out because I wasn't as good as him. And then God just said, just be yourself, Georgie. 
just speak and be yourself and there's no, you don't have to impress anyone and it just set me free. It just set me free to be me, to share what God's put on my heart and not try to be a man, not try to be him. And he's free to be who he is, amen. So there's power in partnership. And will we be the church that rises up, says there's power in partnership and shows the world the beauty of that relationship and that unity and that peace-filled unity. I want to pray for some people today and what God put on my heart as I was praying for you this morning in my room, what God put on my heart was just that people who had been agreeing with defeat in, in certain areas of your life, just like I shared in my, in my life. So would you stand to your feet? I don't want to embarrass anyone, but stand to your feet with me. I want to actually pray for some people in this place because there's like a rise up spirit here. Awesome, beautiful. Would you lift your hands to God where you are? If you feel comfortable. Thank you, Jesus. If you, if that, when I shared my story, I know there were people here who God was highlighting some areas of your world where maybe you've agreed with defeat, where you've said, I guess this is my lot in life. I want to pray for you because what God highlights, he wants to heal and bring to freedom. He's not telling you for frustration's sake. He's telling you because he wants to enter that space. So lift your hands really boldly if that's you. Beautiful. I'm just going to declare over these lives. Thank you, Jesus. I just thank you for the word, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for these beautiful, amazing people in this place, Lord, your sons and your daughters. God, we just declare, Father, will we have listened to words of death or listened to circumstances of death and let that dictate our faith, Father? We know you don't condemn us, Father, but we know that you call us higher. So, Lord, we just, I just pray right now. We pray as a church, Father. Thank you for a spirit of faith to rise in Jesus' name, a spirit of faith to rise that we would be those that experience true freedom ourselves so that we can walk out and set a city free, free from oppression, free from the pain of a lack of value, free from people not thinking their life even matters. Lord, as we walk in full freedom, we would be people who walk out and set a city free by your love. So, Father, we just declare over these people, even with their hands lifted so high, I just declare right now, freedom, Father, that faith would rise. I see like a seed of faith, a new seed of faith entering your spirit. And as you water it with the Word of God, as you, this is important, it's not a moment, as you water it with the Word of God and water it with prayer and water it with words of life and you surround yourself with people who don't agree with defeat. God is going to set you free and set the people free around you. So we just declare that right now. Miracles from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right now. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your presence, for your power, for your word that doesn't return void. But it's powerful, Lord. Thank you for what you did on the cross, Jesus. You made a way for us, Father to experience true freedom, to be free and free indeed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we say yes to freedom today. Thank you, Lord. The second thing I just want to pray for today. I walked in today and I was during the worship and I just heard the word boldness so clearly from the, in my spirit. Boldness. That there's a new boldness coming upon us. This house. There's a new boldness. And there's a, it's a boldness of invitation where we're going to shock the world with our boldness. 
<laughs> and this spirit of boldness is here. And, and people who are timid, people who are struggling with intimidation, you're actually, that's going to lift right now. And you're going to become the biggest evangelist, the biggest inviters into the house of God. And people are going to be sitting in the seat next to you because of that. And I just, I just bind the enemy right now. A spirit of intimidation, I just bind it in Jesus' name. And I declare boldness and courage in new levels over this house, Father. I just declare it right now, that we would be bold believers, that we would be believers who step out and invite people that wouldn't be intimidated, Father. And Lord, Holy Spirit, as you speak to us, we would answer with obedience. So Lord, my prayer, our prayer is highlight to us the ones. Highlight to us, Father, this week, the ones you want us to sow life into to sow truth into. Give us courage and boldness on Monday at work, on Tuesday at work, on Wednesday in our homes and with our friends and in class and in college and wherever we are. Give us boldness. Father, thank you that the same spirit that's here today is with us this week, a spirit of courage and boldness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, bless every person here today with your beautiful presence. Thank you that it's not a personality. It's a spirit. It's the spirit of God. In our own way, we are courageous. You didn't make us to strive or call us to strive, but you called us, Father, to be ourselves and be courageous. Thank you, Jesus, for every person. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen, amen. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.